Tips for Travellers provides inspiration, advice and tips about finding and having a luxurious travel experience. It covers destinations, transportation, accommodation, attractions and journeys. I'm Gary Bembridge and I launched the Tips for Travellers podcast in 2005 to share with travellers my learning on how to make the most of their time in every international destination I visit. For the last 20 years, I've been travelling almost every month of every year to exciting destinations all around the world. Thanks to my global marketing job, it takes me to destinations on every continent. The air miles I earn while doing that helps to take me to even more destinations for vacation. Tips for Travellers shares that learning. Visit www.tipsfortravellers.com for more information. Remembering that Travellers is spelt with two L's the UK way. Hi and welcome to this, the 79th edition of Tips for Travellers. Thanks very much for joining me. On today's episode, what I'm going to be doing is exploring transportation and attractions all at the same time. You know, one of the fastest growing travel activities and travel experiences is cruising. It's becoming phenomenally popular. You know, all the cruise lines are launching bigger and bigger ships or more and more ships. And what I want to explore in this episode, episode number 79, and the next episode 80, is looking at just a little bit more about cruising and some of the things that we don't really think about. Obviously, in previous podcasts, I've spoken about uh, different ships. I've spoken about how to get the most out of cruising the Caribbean or the cruising the fjords. But what I thought I would do is spend a little, little bit of time getting behind cruising. And literally today, what I'm going to talk about is behind the scenes. Now, there are many books written or sort of exposés written a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes. But today, I'm really going to explore a much more practical side of physically what goes on behind the scenes on a cruise ship. Cruise ships carry anything from, depending on the size of the ship, you know, you could have as many as 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 or more people on board, with half of those being passengers and half of those being crew. It's a lot of people on one vessel. So there's a huge amount of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And often what sometimes people forget is, you know, a ship that you explore as a passenger is often probably only about half of the actual ship that you actually have access to because the other half is just running this massive big city. So what I'm going to do is talk to you a little bit about behind the scenes and some of the things that you may not think about, you know, that goes into creating this incredibly luxurious and fabulous experience you have on a cruise. I'm going to base it on experiences that I've had going behind the scenes on both Cunard ships and on P&O ships. But I'm going to focus a lot today on some learnings that I got on a recent behind-the-scenes tour whilst on board Cunard's Queen Elizabeth ship. Now, Queen Elizabeth has had its second birthday, as uh, literally this week that I'm recording this podcast. It's the second anniversary of uh, the naming of and, and sellout of, of Queen Elizabeth as a fully-fledged operating ship. So I thought it was also kind of a good, a good time to really uh, do that and focus on that. Now... What Cunard does, as many other cruise lines do, is they've started to introduce 
effectively a new excursion, which is a behind-the-scenes tour. Now on Cunard, for example, they charge $120 for that. And a lot of people do think that's kind of outrageous because it's a behind-the-scenes tour on a ship. However, it's a three-hour activity, as it is on many other cruise lines. And, uh, you know, it does require quite a lot of additional staff to support it. So it's maybe not so crazy when you think you pay often more than that to have an excursion for, for less time. On Cunard, the behind-the-scenes tour is now offered on all of their ships. Uh, it started actually as an initiative on the Queen Victoria, but it's now on the, on the Queen Mary 2, and it's done on the Queen Elizabeth. And in the daily program, this is how they publicize it. Cunard's exclusive behind-the-scenes tour offers a once-in-a-lifetime glimpse into the complexities of running today's most advanced ocean liners. This is a unique opportunity to explore areas of the ship normally unavailable to guests. Tours cost $120 per person and take place on sea days. Please note the spaces are limited. Now, on most cruise lines, and including Cunard, they only have around about 16 places on the tour uh, at any one time. And this is because, you know, you, you kind of have to get into some places where you can't get more people than that. And obviously, they're quite disruptive to the departments and people working. Um, despite the price, they're normally oversubscribed. And I know that's true uh, on, on pretty much all the cruise lines that run these tours. Now, what most cruise lines do, if you are going on a cruise, and I would strongly recommend you think about this, is they'll often offer free tours. Most cruise lines will normally have a kitchen tour uh, which is pretty standard for, for cruise lines. And a lot of cruise lines will also then have a backstage tour because obviously two of the biggest things that attracts people towards cruises, uh, in addition, of course, to going to all the ports, etc., is food, 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 food. That's a big selling point for cruises. But also they make a lot of song and dance, if you excuse the pun, about their shows, you know, their Las Vegas style shows or their West End style shows or their Broadway style shows. So those are two of the things that people are particularly interested in, the kitchen and the backstage. And they're often free. And I would really encourage you to go on on both of those and particularly the kitchen tour. And I'm going to talk a little bit more detail about the kitchens on a cruise line and just the complexity and, and the scale of them. So, for example, when I was on uh, the Queen Elizabeth Recently, in addition to having the paid for $120 much more detailed tour, there was a free kitchen tour, which they ran a couple of times on sea days. And then there was what they called the backstage pass, where you got to explore the Royal Court Theatre and you get to see a little bit about how they stage these shows. So if you are going on Cunard specifically, what you get, you get the behind the scenes tour for three hours. You get uh, some refreshments, you get some champagne and canapes at the end, you get a little enamel badge, you get a signed photograph by the captain of you sitting in his chair on the bridge, and you get like a branded apron. So there's a little bit of a package around it. As I mentioned, a lot of people feel that charging, cruise lines charging for these tours is, you know, it's crazy. I don't think it is personally. As I've already mentioned, if you think about it as an excursion, but also they have to have someone from the entertainment team who's not doing something else, which is generating revenue normally guiding the tour they normally have a photographer because they won't let you take photographs supposedly for security reasons personally i think it's probably for revenue generation opportunities and they do need some uh, security detail to go with you because you're going basically into sort of uh, sensitive areas of the ship let's talk about the sort of things that we saw but also give you a little sense of of as you go on a cruise ship some of the things to, to really think about now i'll do them in the order that we did them on the tour um, because basically what we did is we started in the front of the ship 
which is where for most uh, theater uh, most uh, ships will have the theater we worked our way to the back of the ship which is where the, the main dining room normally is and the kitchens are and then we kind of worked our way back and up to the bridge which of course is in the in the front of the ship so so basically that's the order we went in and from what i can gather most behind the scenes tours will normally do in the same order you normally start as i said in the theater and most cruise ships now particularly the bigger cruise ships have these massive big theaters which can stage relatively complex shows you know with incredible lighting uh, props scenery you know stages that rotate stages that have trap doors and uh, a, you know, a fully-fledged theatre company of a lot of people, dancers, singers, and of course, guest artists. And what was amazing is they have to do all of this with very little space. And what was amazing when you go to the theatre company is not only seeing the complexity of the equipment they have, but also understanding, and I actually heard it on, on another podcast, was the, the amount of um, energy uh, and power that the theater soaks up is one of the highest on the ship. So obviously the kitchens are one of the high, obviously the engines is the highest use of, of, of energy and power. The kitchens is kind of the next one, but actually uh, the theater itself accounts for a lot of energy because it's using lights, it's using all this equipment and, and so on. So that was, that was quite interesting. But basically what was interesting is they have not very much space. So you see these beautiful shows with all the dancers, the orchestra, but they, they then are weaved underneath the stage and sort of on the sides of the changing rooms, really, really tiny. There's thousands of costumes because if you think they stage across a cruise, you know, you will see across your week's cruise, uh, say three or four shows, but they have a rotation of shows, particularly for longer cruises for two weeks. So they have thousands of costumes they have sets which they store for current and past shows because they kind of keep them there in case they want to you know bring back another show and what's also interesting is this is where you also start to see some of the crew cabins uh what's important to understand on a cruise ship is unless you're a senior member of staff so like an entertainment director or one of the offices you have to share a cabin so even probably the people you interact with like on, even on the entertainment team that you interact with will share a cabin obviously all your waiters will share a, share a cabin and whether you share with only one other person or whether you share with three or four people depends a little bit on your level but almost everybody whose crew bearing in mind they are sharing cabins so you start to see the little sort of uh, little rabbit hutch like uh, areas that the crew live in the control box in the theater very complex i mean it's as impressive and it as as powerful as anything in a theater and if you ever go to a theater in the broadway or the west end or or whatever the equivalent is in, in your your place in your city or town you live you'll see this very complex computerized sound system that's all there and so from there, we went into the bow of the ship. And this is particularly fascinating. I've sort of called the section kind of anchors away. It's where they store the chains and the anchor. And it's a very dangerous area. It's very lethal. You have to be very highly trained to work in here. It's incredibly risky when they're either weighing or retrieving the anchor. For me, the big learning was not only how complex it is and how, how, many, how much chains there are, is I had never realized that the anchor itself is not at all important. It's the chain and the weight of the chain that actually holds the ship in place when anchored. I'd always thought it was you know, the anchor, but it's not, it's the chain. So that's what they talk about weighing the anchor. It's, it's the weight of the chain. So what uh, the crew would do and the captain would do is talk about how much chain needs to be deployed to anchor the ship. 
The other thing which I hadn't realized, but I'd always seen is, if you've ever seen a ship um, when it's docked and it's berthed and the ropes that come out of the ship onto tied onto uh, the, the, the berth, there's these little boards which normally have the ship's name on, and they are called rat boards. And apparently, by law, they're required for two reasons. They're required by law to stop rats leaving a ship, which is a date, you know, dating back way, you know, sort of centuries. You know, hopefully there's not rats on ships now. But it, as importantly, or probably even more importantly, is to stop rats going onto ship because they could very easily kind of run up and down that, uh, you know, that as a kind of a gang, their own sort of gangplank. The other thing that's also interesting is once you kind of leave that whole area, is you then head along what in most ships the crew will know as the main street. And many ships will basically have this vast and huge passageway which runs pretty much from the bow of the ship to the stern of the ship. It's the main thoroughfare. It's a bit like, you know, the the, the main street in your town or, you know, the main road that goes through whatever city you live in. And this is where people can basically get from one side of the ship to the other side of the ship, from the front to the back. It's really busy and it's a bit frantic. You know, there's people rushing about, heading to and fro, going to work, coming for work, carrying things. And off this is where you've got many of the important staff areas, like the staff dining rooms. Most ships will have a staff dining room for the officers and a, and a staff dining room for non-officers. And often within the, the the dining rooms, particularly for the non-officers, will then be specialist chefs focusing on more local cuisine. So if there's a lot of staff from India or a lot of staff from the Philippines, there will also be often uh, food at every meal, kind of you know based on the, the kind of culture on the ship. The other thing that we saw was the hospital or the medical centers, probably what most ships would call it, and this was really fascinating because. You know, most people associate the the area with where you've had a bit of a fall or you're feeling a bit seasick or something. But it's really amazing just how uh, technical and how advanced the hospital is, because it is pretty much a hospital. So on the Cunard ship on the Queen Elizabeth, which is true of all of their ships and most other cruise liners, is they have a high dependency room, which is basically an intensive care unit. It has all the equipment you can possibly imagine. So, it, you know, it's basically if you have a serious issue, you can be put in basically an intensive care and monitored until you get to the next port. There's also other rooms that act as more normal hospital wards. So on on uh, the Queen's of they have two rooms for passengers and, of course, two for staff, because not surprisingly, you've got uh, as many staff as you've got passengers. So you probably, in fact, even more likely to have people having injuries or, or ill. They also have areas where you can isolate people if you have things like TB or other infectious things, uh, whether it's by a passenger or, or probably from the staff. Also, then we ask lots of questions, and the questions we ask, like, what happens if you break your leg or you break your arm? They can actually take x-rays on board, which are then sent electronically to Texas, and it seems most cruise ships do this. At a Texas, a place in Texas, they will actually confirm the diagnosis of the doctors on board. Uh, so they send kind of all those tests uh, electronically. There's a morgue on board, which of course we're not shown. And actually one of the questions we asked is, you know, how many people die on a cruise? And particularly on Cunard, which we, you know, when you think about the world cruises and, you know, the profile, although it's getting much younger on a cruise, is a little bit older. And the doctor told us there's actually surprisingly few people die on a cruise. 
maybe one or maybe two a year across the the, the, the fleet and Cunard. And what he said is the reason for this is a couple. Number one, people are not going to go on a trip if they're terminally ill. So if you're that ill, you won't go on the cruise or you'll get off the ship, basically. Secondly, they get people off the ship if they have to. So, so if you're that ill, you'll be taken off the ship. And particularly if you've got an itinerary which has lots of stops, they will get you off the ship if they possibly can, even if it means um, uh, diverting. And thirdly, you know, they can pretty much deal with most things uh, and, and keep you kind of in a healthy situation until they can actually get you off. The only problem they have in terms of that is on Cunard with the transatlantic, because at various points on the transatlantic, you know, at sea for seven days, there are points where it's just too far for helicopters to actually get to the ship, even if they were hopping from land to oil rig to oil rig. There is a point in time on a transatlantic when no matter how ill you are, you're stuck on there. And I have seen videos um, of where they've come, you know, they're diverted or they've come closer to the UK so the ships can get out or helicopters can get out and take people off the ship. So much less people die than you would expect, but that's larger function of basically if you're that ill you either don't go on or they get you off but incredibly incredibly well stocked with a huge pharmacy because also again you've got to bear in mind it's not only the passengers they're looking after it's the crew they're looking after the other area that you see and it's something you don't really think about is the photo and print shops you know they're tiny rooms with very modern equipment 10,000 photographs are taken on a two-week cruise by the onboard photographers, at least 10,000 photos. What's crazy at the moment is they're all printed. And you know, if you're on a cruise, you have those hundreds of photographs where you choose. They try and make it environmentally friendly. And it does seem crazy to me. I, you know, and I'm pretty sure with the environmental pressures, we're going to be moving more to print on demand. I noticed that, for example, what they had was face recognition software and basically what they do with every photograph that gets taken this software classifies all photos based on the photo that's taken when you check in so when you check in for a cruise you have your photograph taken for your cruise card it's not normally on your cruise card it's in their computer but they use that face recognition software to basically recognize you in all the other photographs they take and it was interesting because if you they did show us um, some booths where you can type in your uh, stateroom number and you can actually see all your photographs and order CD of them so I'm suspecting the step is going to be that you can access and order photographs because it is crazy less than 50% of photographs are actually bought so there's a huge amount of wastage but everything on the ship that's printed is printed on the ship so it's a massive 24-hour operation it's and it's very complex and you just don't think about the logistics that you know seven days a week 24 hours a day they're printing photographs and just printing menus, uh, stationery, all that kind of uh, stuff. The next most important area that we saw was the whole area of fire and safety. Now, one of the biggest risks, in fact, not one of the, the biggest risk at sea is fire. And it's a thing that cruise lines and crew are more afraid of than anything else. It is the most dangerous thing at sea. If anything is going to get you, it's likely to be fire. So they are very strict about fire. And we spend quite a lot of time with the, 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 the part of the crew who look after fire and safety. They have very sophisticated firefighting suits, very sophisticated equipment. They have lots of heat sensitive cameras. They talk a lot about the drill if there's a fire. You know, it is the most feared thing. And it's one of the things that they are most prepared for because there's huge risk of fire 
and you know every now and again there will be some fire and unfortunately it's largely related to passengers and often related to you know smoking uh, where you know people have thrown a cigarette out it's come back on board uh, it's been blown back on board but fire 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 and it was incredibly sophisticated equipment because bear in mind they can't call a fire uh, you know call the fire engine so they have to do that all on on board engineering is of course one of the most complex things they don't let you see the engines the only time you ever get to see the engines pretty much seems when ships are retired off but unbelievably complicated controlling you think the uss enterprise in star trek looked complicated this was just unbelievably complicated uh, they have a whole set of very high-tech equipment which is then mirrored in the bridge so the bridge can see the data let me talk a little bit about the kitchens and food you know if you are when you're on a cruise you'll often find even when you're very far away from land you'll often see birds flying around the ship and one of the things that attracts them is the food being disposed of in the sea ships are actually allowed to dispose of waste food into the sea when they're 12 miles from land now what ships like Cunard would do and most big cruise ships they pulp the food into basically a liquid and then it's deposited into the sea and that's really really important so it turns it basically into a, a, a liquid form as much as they can do and then once they're 12 miles out of sea it is deposited in, into the sea if you ever get a chance to go on the kitchen tour it's really really worth doing what most kitchen tours will do is they will show you the kind of assembly area if, if you like rather than the preparation area so, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, th those, those two parts Cunard, unlike most cruise lines, will make everything from scratch, including sauces, bread, and rolls. Many other cruise lines will buy them in pre or part made. Cunard make everything from scratch. They get the flour, etc., etc. You know, on the Queen Elizabeth, there's 1,500 passengers to cater for, but the chefs also have to cater for another 900 people who are the crew. The logistics are just monstrous. You know, so for example, on the Queen Elizabeth, which is, you know, uh, as I mentioned, is about a 1,500 passenger ship. There's 140 chefs, 140 chefs and 68 galley cleaners. The galley cleaners work a 24 hour shift pattern. They serve 40,000 meals on a 14 day voyage, 40,000 meals. They use 70 tons of fruit and vegetable, 18 tons of meat. They make 1,680 pizzas, 11,200 scones, 70,000 cups of tea, 5,250 bottles of wine. You know, it's just the, you know, it's just mind bogglingly uh, complex. And in the actual kitchen, there is a preparation area, which is sort of below the main kitchens in, in, in most uh, cruise lines and this is where they do things like they make the bread they cut up the meats this is where they do the kind of the original uh, creation of the food but what the main kitchen you'll normally see you'll obviously see the scullery and there's incredible things like there's a dishwasher that can in do in two minutes what your dishwasher will take an hour to do so it just can you know churn through the vast quantities of dishes you have a beverage station where your butter dishes, your rolls are put into baskets, your water jugs are filled, your tea and coffee is made. You have what they call the guardi uh, manger, which is a cold larder. So all your, your cold dishes, your salads are made. You have the hot press. Now the hot press is where all the action will happen. So your waiters, this is where they re really interact with the kitchen. It's where they, they place their orders and where they fetch them. This is where the final plating of food is done. So it's where, you know, they would say, 
you know, put everything onto the plate, give it to the waiters, and they would go out. It's a busy, it's a frantic, it's a crazy, you know, during service, it's just like madness. But that's the real heart of the kitchen, and the logistics are humongous in here. You also have the, the pastry area where all those lovely d d desserts and pastries are made. Uh, you have what they call the production area, and this is where the actual cooking takes place. And this tends to be uh, either on that level or underneath that sort of compilation and plating area. And then what happens in, in Cunard, uh, and will also happen in ships where they have a lot of their own uh, speciality restaurants, is you then have individual uh, little kitchens for each of those restaurants where they will do their own, you know, uh, finishing, their own fine-tuning of the food uh, and plating, etc. So you have this main massive kitchen which serves the, the, the main kitchen and then each individual one will have their own uh, little kind of galley. So, for example, on Cunard, you know, the Queen's Grill will have their own galley, the Prince's Grill will have their own galley, and the Veranda Restaurant will have their own galley. Uh, and on each you know, ship we have speciality restaurants, they will have uh, the same thing. The other thing that's linked to that is the whole delivery. You know, if I've just mentioned the pure and, you know, vastness of of the scale of the stores that they get through. And stores are taken in roughly in 24-day cycles on cruise ships. Uh, for Cunard, they will try to take it from their home base in Southampton. Carnival, I suspect, will take it from their home base in Miami. So they tend to take most of the stores on board in their kind of home port. Obviously, they then top it up as they travel around. They order about six to eight weeks in advance. Uh, and, you know, they then have to get it all on board in that very short few hours they are basically back in port. So they're not taking stuff on every day. So it's not like you go shopping every day and you kind of top up. It's, imagine you're kind of shop, doing your whole family shop in these massive big you know cycles of at least a week or even longer for, for the core things. The other thing that's huge on cruise ships and sometimes underrated is the whole area of environmental and recycling. Most ships now will have an office in charge of the uh, environment and recycling. And it's amazing. They have a whole operation. They grind glass into fine powder. They crush plastics and cans. They turn this food waste into a liquid. And also what's important is because every country and every place has different regulations. So everything is meticulously sorted. So when you throw stuff away in your cabin, for example, all that stuff gets sorted out. It gets broken down into paper and plastics. So you know, both your your uh, cabin steward and the recycling people will sort through everything because they do sell uh, most of that onto recycling and the different providers and suppliers will have different rules and regulations about what they take. But the volume of the stuff is just absolutely staggering. Now, the great thing about going on a behind-the-scenes tour is getting into the bridge. In the olden days, before kind of 9-11 and before the whole terrorist threat, there was probably much more access uh, to the bridge as there was probably much more access even on flights into the into the cockpit. It's quite difficult to get the bridge, but now you can get into the bridge if you go on the behind-the-scenes tours um, on most of these um, cruise lines. We went up. It was really fascinating. We met the Commodore of the Cunard fleet, uh, Christopher Rind. He was actually captain of the ship. You meet the, the crew and you see all the phenomenal equipment and basically explain how they're taking it in and out of the port. And it's just it's just incredible. I mean, they do have the best view of all on the ship without a shadow of a doubt. But it's really fascinating just seeing the scale of what they do. So that's basically a run through a little bit about behind the scenes. I think what's interesting 
as you go on a cruise ship, it's sometimes really easy to forget that that incredibly luxurious experience you've got is all happening kind of inside and underneath you. The whole logistics are just phenomenal. Not only the logistics of, you know, finding a place for the 900 crew to sleep, to eat, to entertain themselves, to swim, to, you know, have fun. Because, you know, for example, most ships will have a crew area which may have their own swimming pool, for example, which is all designed to be out of sight from passengers. But there's that whole area of logistics. Then there's a whole thing, you know, all the power that you have has to be generated on board. Every bit of waste has to be processed uh, on board. All the entertainment has to be, you know, provided for and, you know, slickly delivered. And I would strongly, strongly recommend if you ever get a chance to read some of the books about behind the scenes, the more factual ones rather than the sort of like the ones which are more about the um, sex and fun and games kind of exposés. But the ones that really talk about just the pure logistics, it's really, really worth going on. So if you don't want to pay the $120 for the tour, go on some of the free tours, particularly the kitchen tour, and just see the pure logistics about what goes into creating that incredibly phenomenal cruise experience. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. As I said, just giving you a little bit to think about around kind of some things behind the scenes. In the next one, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, you know some more stuff behind the scenes on cruising remember it'll be i'd really appreciate it if you get time next time you're on itunes to leave a comment a rating for tips of travelers it helps enormously and it'd be great if you visit the site and sign up for the newsletter or follow me on twitter don't forget if you have any suggestions feedback or tips uh, you know through the site you can contact me or email me at gary at until next time here's to some great sailing and some happy travels. Tips for Travelers provides inspiration, advice, and tips about finding and having a luxurious travel experience. It covers destinations, transportation, accommodation, attractions, and journeys. I'm Gary Bembridge, and I launched the Tips for Travelers podcast in 2005 to share with travelers my learning on how to make the most of their time in every international destination I visit. For the last 20 years, I've been traveling almost every month of every year to exciting destinations all around the world. Thanks to my global marketing job, it takes me to destinations on every continent. The air miles I earn while doing that helps to take me to even more destinations for vacation. Tips for Travelers shares that learning. Visit www.tipsfortravelers.com for more information, remembering that Travelers is spelt with two L's the UK way.